Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What does the commissioner of the Big 12 Metro Southwest Conferences and the executive director of the Orange Bowl all have in common? Well, my next guest held all those positions, and he's here to talk about that amazing journey, plus insight on the National Football Foundation right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody, and we're taking down the field. Protect them. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis! Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back! And so much more. College football legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Believe in college football legends on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Chris Smith. Football might be over, but the NBA, college hoops, and NHL are in full swing. So the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. Thinking of picking the Lakers to repeat or love that Dustin Johnson is favored to win the Masters? You need to go to betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there's the 24-hour online casino as well. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. There is no organization more vital to football than the National Football Foundation. Founded in 1947 with early leadership from General Douglas MacArthur, legendary Army coach Red Blake, and immortal journalist Brantland Rice. The foundation has grown through the ages and still develops scholarship, citizenship, and athletic achievement in young people. From the nomination and induction for the College Football Hall of Fame to the William V. Campbell Trophy, or as many know it as the Academic Heisman, the NFF promotes leadership, sportsmanship, competitive zeal, and drive for academic excellence. So we go inside the hallowed halls of the National Football Foundation with my special guest on the show, Steve Hatchell, President and CEO of the National Football Foundation. Thanks for joining me, Steve. Really nice to be with you. Thank you. Wow. You have an interesting and amazing career prior to the National Football Foundation, including commissioner of three different leagues, the Big 12 Metro and Southwest Conferences, executive director of the FedEx Orange Bowl, the U.S. Olympic Committee, just to name a few. Uh, Which was the most rewarding and what did you learn along the way during this amazing journey? Well, I went from um, thinking that I knew things uh, to getting a doctorate and how to really function personally. Uh, work-wise and how to set goals and how to make things happen from Chuck Ninus when I went to uh, the Big 8 conference to work for Chuck. Uh, Chuck is, um, uh, for all of us that uh, have benefited, and I say this uh, in in a very loving way, uh, we learned so much from Chuck, and it's Bill Hancock who runs the college football uh, playoff. It's the Lost Dodgers, longtime athletic director at Texas. It's Mike Bone the AD uh, at Southern Cal. It's uh, uh, it's just one guy after another. That if you had the chance to work for Chuck, uh, you learn so much. So I would say filling up my professional uh, box of how you do things, uh, I give Chuck all the credit for that. So that was probably the most rewarding. If you're young, if you're a sponge, and you realize that uh, you can learn a lot, which we did when we were when we were all there. 
it's it set the it set the framework and the structure uh, to move ahead in the future uh, professionally. And uh, you know, along the way, what, what he taught you was you, you're working in a downtown office. You're not on the campus anymore. You wear a coat and tie to work. Um, how do you get things done? How do you set goals? All of that. We got all that put out. Um, plus, he was so smart that just really helped us a lot, Chris, in um, terms of where to go. So that was, in that sense, is probably the most rewarding because it, it just set the tone for the future, which was so beneficial to me. Sounds like a great foundation was laid there. And how did you get to the prestigious National Football Foundation in 2005? I mean, I'm sure there wasn't like a help one ad or anything. And you were what they were considered the first out-of-the-box hire. It was interesting. Um, there were quite a few people that were involved with the uh, football foundation at the time that had known my background. And um, I didn't even know the job was open. Uh, then I got a few phone calls that hey, this would be a job you should take a look at. I had uh, I had followed the foundation very carefully over the years because that's where if you wanted somebody in the Hall of Fame, you had to go through the, the football foundation to make that happen. And I'd been to the dinner in New York when went back as a as a young guy working as a sports information director or whatever to be in New York at the Waldorf was so eye opening. Wow. It was just uh, such a thrill. So I knew about it in that sense, but I didn't know any of the inner workings. And the guy who had the job, Bob Cassiola, uh, had gotten to be a really good friend. I just thought that Bob did a marvelous job and had a lot of credibility to the job. And when I ran the Orange Bowl, Bob was running the foundation anyway. Uh, I didn't know the job was open. Next thing you know, I'm getting several phone calls from Chuck Minus, this one, uh, John Toner, then the athletic director, and then the head of the NCAA. Uh, he called uh, George Steinbrenner. I'd known George um, from his days at uh, the, Olymp- uh, the Olympic Committee when I was doing some things with uh, Olympic Committee committees and just several others. And they said, you should take a look at this. I thought, oh, goodness, so we- am I going to have to move to New York or something? But uh, Yeah, well, they were based, based in Jersey job. originally, correct? They were in Jersey. They'd been all over. Uh, they were in Morristown, New Jersey at the time. But so much of what we did was New York-based. New Jersey based, but there were those that said, you know, I, it was George. It was really funny. He said, do you, do you like your house in Dallas? And I said, yeah, you know that George. And he's, and cause I thought, I thought he was going to say, well, get that thing sold. You know, if you're going to take this job, he sure. said, Good, don't sell it. We're, nice. We're is what he Music to your ears. And I said, I can do that. I can do that. I could tell that to Patty that we're going to have a job if we're going to move. And um, so anyway, you put all those pieces together. Clay Bennett, who now owns the Oklahoma City Thunder, had been a, he's been a forever friend, a uh, huge Oklahoma, uh, not only booster, but a former student, uh, unbelievably successful in life. And uh, he was the one that kept calling me and saying, hey, we want you to come and do this, because Clay had been on the board of the Football Foundation for a long time. So you put all those pieces together, and, uh, and it worked out. It was terrific. Yeah, well, that was quite a recruitment then for you. And uh, now celebrating its 74th anniversary, what is the National Football Foundation's mission? Well, in a, in a word, if you had to say it in one sentence, it's to uh, assist, uh, develop, and promote the good in the game of football. There's no agenda within the National Football Foundation other than to uh, protect the history uh, of the game to promote what happens today, the good in the game, we can talk more about that. And then and then you prepare for the future to make sure that this is this is a great game. We've got it, we've got warts, we 
got some issues. But at the end of the day, it's a hell of a sport. And um, our whole goal and our whole mission is to activate all three of those. And as Michael Bidwell says, who's the um, owner of the, of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, who's on our board, said that what we need and espouse all the time is a tidal wave, a tsunami of good news uh, that never stops. And um, so that's that, in a nutshell, is what uh, the Football Foundation stands for. And we have for, since 1947. Yeah, definitely have accomplished that. And we're speaking with Steve Hatchell, president and CEO of the National Football Foundation. And what changes did you see that were needed to be made when you took over? You know, most of it, uh, in all candor, came from uh, the experiences that uh, I, I had with the, with the Football Foundation. And uh, the first was, which was uh, suggested by the board and uh, by guys like, like George and Chuck Ninus and others, was to get some people on the staff that had played football and, and understood the game. Uh, they were in Morristown, New Jersey, which is a, a beautiful community, I mean, just a wonderful place. But it, it, football is not, uh, you know, it's just not that emphasized enough. And sure, the Northeast, definitely. Uh, when they said, you're going to move to Texas, and one of my boys uh, uh, played high school football, so we, we knew all about that, live in a great area where high school football is important. And we say, a little bit jokingly, but it's actually true, football in the state of Texas is 13 months out of the year. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's all the time. And um, if you were to pick up the Dallas Morning News at any given time, and you look at that front page of sports, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter if the Rangers are playing in the World Series or the Stars are going for the Stanley Cup, et cetera. There is a big piece in there every every week, every day, about the Dallas Cowboys or college football. So I think um, uh, the biggest thing was to get everybody in mainstream, get the Football Foundation into the mainstream of college athletics, which I knew. How, how can we be close to the commissioners, to the athletic directors, to the football coaches? How can we become more we're vital? We're not just doing a dinner at the end of the year to honor guys going into the Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, but how, how do we become an integral part of every aspect of what's going on in football? And so uh, when you sit down and you look at it, it wasn't that it was a drastic change because the foundation had always cared about the game, but the whole idea now was to make sure you're in the center part of it, you're pulling your weight on the oar with all of the other entities in uh, college athletics and, and in college football to make sure that people know the values of the game. So um, uh, if you're passionate about the sport, it was a very easy thing to do, frankly. Yeah, and we'll talk about bringing in talent. How is it working with Chairman and Hall of Fame quarterback Archie Manning? Well, I, I would I would tell you this, that um, uh, I, I love Archie to death and, um, he is, I know a lot of people are obviously very knowledgeable about who he is and, and what he stands for, but it's not until you're around him and the times that you get with him. This is a, this is a person without an ego. This is a person who doesn't say bad things about anybody. Uh, this is a person that cares immensely about the game, has an unbelievable understanding of the game and the guys who play it. You know, it's one thing to know what it's like to play quarterback, but it's another to know what's the makeup of a guy that's a successful quarterback, what's his thinking, what's his preparation, 
Um, and it's like anything in life, how do you approach this in a very uh, systematic manner to be the most uh, successful you're going to be? This is as warm, as thoughtful, um, as uh, considerate a person as you will ever meet. And so we feel that having him as our chairman is a, um, I would tell you right off the bat, it's a blessing. I, I would tell you right off the bat that, that he and his entire family are good for football, period. Um, whatever you ask them to do, uh, they do it. Uh, however they respond. And Archie's, Archie has one thing going for him, Chris, that, that I wish that I did is, you know, when somebody asks me about somebody that you and I would probably say is a jerk, <laughs> uh, Archie has the most artful way of not saying he's a jerk, and you move on. I mean, he's got just an art of that's a skill. Art of talking a lot of things. It's just a skill, and his Rolodex, I think, is as big as his garage. In touch <laughs> with everybody. He knows everybody. You know, he's not reluctant to pick up the phone and he call and say, "Hey, how are you doing? Are you doing okay?" Uh, or just to talk about old times. And uh, if you're on in where I am, where you get these calls, where you get a chance to talk about, and everybody calls me Hatch. You know, hey Hatch, and he'll pick out a guy from the time that. Uh, I was at Colorado and we had those good football teams way back in the day. Hey, what happened to so-and-so? And next thing you know, it's 45 minutes of just the best stories you've ever heard in your life. Wow. Ever heard in your life. And so it's a long-winded way of saying that arts is very special and that we're all extremely blessed. And, um, you know, it's just a great thing to have him in this role for us. Wow. Sounds like a special man. I love hearing those kind of stories. And we're speaking with Steve Hatchell, president and CEO of the National Football Foundation. And the first college football Hall of Fame class was selected in 1951, but they had no physical building. Is the Chick-fil-A College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta the showpiece for the National Football Foundation? No question. Uh, This is actually the fourth building that the foundation has had. And um, it was in South Bend for a little bit, right? It was in South Bend. It was in Kings Mill, Ohio. Um, and then it was uh, in a brownstone in New York City, believe it or not. So the two things that are really funny about that, Chris, is that it was in a brownstone, and uh, it was obviously they just got started. And I forget, one of the presidents at uh, one of the schools in Oklahoma, at the University of Oklahoma, was in New York. He made the comment that they took him to the College Football Hall of Fame, and he said, well, they've done a pretty good job of hiding it from it. <laughs> a little unassuming in a brownstone, I'm sure. That's right. You know, it was, it was, uh, but, the, but the, the sad part was, is that they sold it at a time when they didn't get much money for it. And this was obviously long ago. Now that thing would be worth yeah. somewhere, they said, between 50 and $60 million, which, you know, you, you, you can only look back on it and kind of laugh. But the one in, in um, the Hall of Fame now in Atlanta, Georgia, is, uh, is, is very, very special. It's uh, interactive. It's it's uh, the idea is to house the great memories of the game, but also to draw people in who uh, want to participate hands on. Look at uh, look how things work in the game. Um, I, I I like to joke that my parents, when I was growing up, took us to every museum that there ever was, and so I've been inoculated. That once you've seen a museum, you've seen a museum, and I'm done. Look, but don't touch. So the whole idea. <laughs> yep. And, Exactly right, and but this was this was designed different, and this was designed that uh, young people today would go in and say, "Wow, this is really cool, very interactive." And it's not what we thought, and it's not a collection of old shoulder pads and shoes and 
uh, that type of thing. Uh, lots of video and, and hands-on and how do you move things around. And you're hit right away when you go in that there's 750 helmets that light up on the helmet wall. And, and the whole idea is education. It's A lot of people don't realize that there's 750 colleges that play football. There's 81,000 guys playing college football in any given year. It's not just the top 50 names that you see on TV. This is this is uh, all 50 states. Uh, it's at all levels, and very few make it to the pros. Only 0.6 make it to the pros in any given year. So that's 99.4% of all mm. these guys playing football are going to go on and do other things in life. So we get a chance to focus on all of the great things about going to college and playing college football. Exciting place. Oh, it definitely is. I got a chance to talk with Kimberly Bowden, the CEO, and wow, I can't I can't wait to get a chance to go down there and uh, check it out. But the 2021 College Football Hall of Fame class was announced on ESPN, and since the 2020 class couldn't have their ceremony in person, you're going to have two Hall of Fame classes this December. How big will that event be? Well, it's going to be it's, it's fantastic, and um, uh, keep in mind when you're uh, at the Football Foundation, you get a chance to be with not in this particular case not just one class but two classes so it's 32 guys all together between the players and the coaches we, we wish that we were having the dinner tomorrow that we'd have a chance <laughs> to be with them i bet because this is when you've gone you've gone through two years of these names on this chris and you just say holy mackerel this is college football this is this is the best in the game legends and um legends they're just legends and we, we use a phrase a lot of uh, leaders, legends, and champions. And um, when you look at these uh, two classes that we have, it's just uh, it's, it's full of uh, champions and leaders and, uh, and legends. And so we're, we're really excited. Uh, it, will, it will encumber us um, to make sure that we have a first-rate way to showcase all of these. But uh, we've already been working on this, and we believe we'll uh, – we're, we're going to have a lot of fun this year in showcasing both of these classes. No, oh, it's definitely going to be a special event. And we're speaking with Steve Hatchell, president and CEO of the National Football Foundation. And I've interviewed a lot of college football Hall of Famers, and they have some great stories about when they get the call, when they found out they were going to be inducted. Do you have a story about one of uh, your most memorable reactions to a player getting the news? Every year, there's um, uh, every year there's a there's a new story on this. Um, just to acquaint everybody, we adopted a policy, uh, and again, uh, we were told when we got there, don't do not do how we've done things in the past, uh, shake it up. So the way that you go into the Hall of Fame is that, uh, let's, let's, pick out, um, let's pick out a guy like, uh, let's take Tony Romo. Tony Romo was uh, a two-time All-American. He was the Heisman equivalent of Division II football at Eastern Illinois, set every record that there is in the world. Well, he knows he's on the ballot. Gets nominated by a school, which is an essential element to this. And he's on the ballot. And uh, then the honors court meets, and they pick a team for the year. Then we don't notify anybody until right before we're getting ready to announce, which is in conjunction with the college football playoff. Now, how do you keep that under wraps? <laughs> Actually, it's fantastic, and we have, on the honors court, we've got media people and others, but they take it very seriously, and nobody leaks it. Nobody gets, nobody gets out. It doesn't get out. And the way that the way that guy knows is that you will get a FedEx box at your home, 
you open it up and there's an autographed football in there that's really cool. And it will say, the National Football Foundation congratulates Tony Romo, Eastern Illinois University, on your induction in the College Football Hall of Fame, December 7th, 2021, uh, New York City. Wow. And then there's, a, then there's a letter that comes with it. And so we've had um, uh, some reactions that literally will bring tears to your eyes. Um, we've had guys tell us that once it was announced that they're one in the Hall of Fame, that they're going in the Hall of Fame, they will say things such as, I hadn't, I haven't had a job in two years. Mm. I got this and it was publicized and all of a sudden people were saying, Hey, we haven't seen him in a while. Let's talk to him. And they got a job. We've had, we've had uh, people that say that it showed up on a day when it showed up on a day when they got bad news that a guy said his wife was, it was determined that she had cancer mm. and they were just holding each other. When they got back home, the doorbell rings, there's a FedEx guy hands a box in and he said, here we are at the lowest moment in our lives. And all of a sudden here's this football that says you're in the college football hall of fame. Brought right back up. And, and then, and then you've got really funny ones like Sam Cunningham. Um, who's just priceless as a person. And obviously we didn't know him until all of this, but he, he talked about when the football showed up and he said, you know what? I'm really fired up on this. He said, I went to every house on my block and said, look what I just got. <laughs> <laughs> look what I just got. I'm in the house football hall of fame. And then um, you get guys like Tom Brahaney of uh, Oklahoma. And he said, I got that. And he said, I put it up on the mantle in my family room. Then oh, I yeah. took it down. Then I put it back up there. <laughs> then I carried it around. Then I put it back up there. And, Don't anybody uh, else touch it. it. That's, exa- that's exactly right. And um, but what we what we get from it, which which is um, a real credit to our, our staff, Charlie and Matthew, the people that work here, is that uh, almost unanimously, the guys will say when they get that football, it brings tears to their eyes. Mm. It's just a, it a means really that much. Away and then, it means that much to them. And then, um, then we start making phone calls and their athletic director will call because we'll tip them off right at the same time. But another part of what Archie does, Archie picks up the phone and he calls everybody and said, Hey, congratulations. You're in the hall of fame. And, um, you know, so we look at a little bit different than how the pros do it. Um, no, I like but that. We just, we want everybody to know that, you know, this is a very special thing and they all get the football on the same day so that, Nobody knows before somebody else does. They all get it at the same time. Great coordination, yeah. too. <laughs> Coordinations and secrets. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. So anyway, it's, a, it's just a neat way of uh, delivering our message that you're in the College Football Hall of Fame. That's fantastic. And we're speaking with Steve Hatchell, President and CEO of the National Football Foundation. And another special event is the National Football Foundation Annual Awards Dinner, which began in 1958, you mentioned it before, and it seems like a marquee event. What makes it so special? Over the years, um, and go back in our history, one of the um, one of the people that really gave great uh, meaning to the National Football Foundation was General Douglas MacArthur. Yes, World War II, World War II hero led our forces uh, against the uh, against the Japanese in the Pacific. So it was a great leader, and then. Um, uh, stayed on and, and was part of the leadership uh, during the Korean War. When he retired from um, being the um, head of the Army, he retired to the Waldorf Hotel in New York. And he and his wife lived in the Waldorf 
uh, I think it was started, I want to say it was in the mid-50s. And his give back uh, to them putting up with he and his wife until they passed away was he started the dinner. He'd been part of the National Football Foundation. He'd been a manager of the football team at Army. He'd been a manager for Red Blake, the legendary Army coach who has more people in the Hall of Fame than anybody. Uh, He was there with Eisenhower when Eisenhower played football uh, at at Army. And and his whole idea is let's get this dinner back. Let's get this dinner started. And this is where we're going to honor people to go into the Hall of Fame and the Scholar-Athlete program and how do we recognize the best in the game. So the dinner itself is black pie. Uh, we have not been in the in the Waldorf for the last three years because it was purchased and it's being uh, refurbished. Um, but using the using the uh, Waldorf as an example, which is uh, maybe one of the more elegant places if you ever go, and the memories are fantastic. Uh, it's got balconies. Um, we'll, we'll, we jam in 17, 1800 people wow. from all aspects of football, from the NFL all the way down to Pop Warner, who participate in this particular night. And um, we, it's the official induction of the guys into the Hall of Fame. We give out uh, $12,000, $18,000 postgraduate scholarships to the top scholar athletes in the country. That's the William um, V. Campbell Trophy, correct? And then we do the William B. Campbell Trophy, which a lot of people refer to as the academic Heisman. Yep. And uh, and then um, we've got some others, but the one the, one of the things that we do too is we give a, a gold medal. And over our years, we've given the gold medal to seven U.S. presidents. We've given it to people such as Condoleezza Rice. Uh, we've given it to people that are just great leaders. And a couple of years ago, uh, before the pandemic, it went to Mark Harmon who a lot of people know from NCIS. Sure. He was a terrific quarterback at UCLA. His dad won the Heisman. Um, and bringing all these parts back together about the values of the game, we think is uh, what we get to do in one night uh, over a couple of days span of time, having all of this wonderful showpiece about the great things in the game of football. And that's our annual awards dinner. This year, what's really fun about this, Chris, is that it's December the 7th, so it's the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, Ooh. which allows us to really tie MacArthur right into it, uh, into, this, into this history. Yeah. Wow, that's going to be a, definitely a special evening. Um, well, you've added the Future for Football, the Senior High School Showcase, the Academic Hampshire Honor Society, the Faculty Athletic Representation Salutes, and numerous Corporate sponsorships, including Fidelity Investments, Delta Airlines, Mazda. How do you continuously push the envelope for the NFF? I think um, I really appreciate you putting it in that regard. Uh, football means an awful lot to to me personally and to everybody that's on our staff. When people said initially when I got the job, it was take a look at your staff. Make sure you got people that are passionate about the game. If you look at this staff, they're passionate about this game. They get it and they understand it. And I think when you reflect on what does a game mean to so many people, um, and you look across the, you look across all frameworks of life, uh, there are people that played the game that are now providing great leadership for this entire country. We feel that it's an obligation of, of ours to constantly showcase. Uh, to promote all of the time and sometimes to, to develop 
one of the great things that are happening in this game because the society overall in so many ways can be negative. It can be, uh, it's always second guessed. And we just feel that uh, we, we can provide some, a different uh, framework, a different viewpoint that's going to show the good in the game. And um, maybe people aren't going to listen to it. Maybe people aren't going to reflect on it, but they're sure going to hear from us. And again, as I pointed out, this would be an uh, unrelenting tsunami of good news. And um, I think that's what gets us up in the morning. That's what makes it us um, want to be so active to make this worthwhile. When you've got leadership like our board of directors, that includes Tim Cook of Apple. Um, it's got uh, people like Jerry Jones, who cares about the game, Roger Goodell of the NFL. Uh, to commissioners, uh, to business leaders. Um, the whole idea is just to keep closing. And, uh, all working together. It's our obligation to help the game. Yeah, all so, working together and staying positive. I like the uh, positive aspect of it. It's really fun, and it really, really is fun. And, and um, uh, we just with the research and things that we're doing, Chris, give you a friend, in the state of Texas, which high school football is, is, I hate to say it's a religion, but the state of Texas has just this wonderful commitment to the sport of football. Sure. And everybody was talking about, well, you can't play this football. You can't do this. And, who, you know, the state of California is not going to open up and all of that. Well, in the state of Texas, where football is so powerful, 95.4% of all of the high school football games that were to be played in 2020 were played. Wow. And right through the championships were moved a little bit later. They played the whole football season ended in a very classy way in in January, so there were a couple of weeks uh, later for the championships. But you never you never get a chance to see that written anywhere. Yeah, All football's a, football's a relief for people happen. during those times. That's exactly right. And so from six man football all the way up to six uh, A football in the state of Texas, ninety five point four percent of all of the games were played this year, and. Um, and they found a way to do it, and they found a way to do it safely, and the kids loved it, and it opened all those opportunities for all these kids to go on to college, either to play or to get scholarships or what else. So, it, was, it was fun. Those are the kinds of things that we love promoting. Oh, that's fantastic. We're speaking with Steve Hatchell, president and CEO of the National Football Foundation. And speaking of fun, it's one of my favorites, was the NFF's role in celebrating 150 years of college football. How rewarding was that? Well, it was it was more rewarding than you might think. And the reason was uh, we got to be part of the executive committee to set the tone for the whole year. So yeah, it's Bill Hancock of the college football playoff uh, and, and the commissioners. And, and then we, uh, uh, the individual, Kevin Weiberg, who was hired to run that whole thing, part of our give back at the foundation was uh, we provided office space uh, for he and his team uh, to run that whole program. So it was a double dose of fun because you had the normal activities that we do, plus we get to do all of this reflection on what transpired over 150 years from 1869 to right now. And it fit into what we're doing because of the history of the College Football Hall of Fame. Sure. We have a, we have a vault of films that goes back for obviously for decades of uh, all kinds of things that would really fit into this. And then um, ESPN just did this marvelous job, marvelous job of capturing um, all of 
all of the aspects of 150 years of college football, not just the players, but every aspect that uh, went into the game, not only from the history, but the evolution of coaching, the evolution of uh, uh, the, the black athlete in the football and how all of that transpired, the growth of the sport, the change in the rules, and uh, the community of the game. It was, um, uh, we were, to say we were exhausted mentally and physically <laughs> at the end of the year, putting it mildly, we were absolutely uh, exhausted on all oh, I bet you were. You're cramming 150 small. years in the one year. That's exactly right. And ESPN is still running some of those anthologies. Definitely. And yeah, uh, great. Uh, it, I, some of these I've seen maybe a dozen times, but I still love watching them. Ivan Mizell uh, was the captain of a lot of that uh, for ESPN, and he just he's got such a great feel for it, and uh, he poured a lot into it. But ESPN really put life into the into that balloon and, and made it work. So it was a it was a, a wonderful. A year span of time, actually two years span of time, because it was a whole year leading up to it, and then the presentation during the year. Wow. So it was great. It, it came off fantastic yeah. for fans alike. So my tip of the cap to you for definitely that one. And there's plenty of awards within the National Football Foundation. We have the MacArthur Bowl, the Chris Schenkel Award, the Grantland Rice Super 16 Bowl. But you've also received numerous awards throughout your career. The CU Hall of Fame, Colorado University Hall of Fame, the Football Writers Association of America, Burt McCrane Award, the Golden Anniversary Award. You're inducted to the College Sports Information Directors of America's Hall of Fame a few years back. Did you think you would have this kind of career coming out of the University of Colorado with a journalism degree? (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, Absolutely not. You know, I I just, uh, I I think you get blessed with um, a lot of different things. My um, my, uh, and I, I go back to, you know, if you're really fortunate and you align yourself with, uh, with great people and my, my uh, coach at Colorado, Eddie Crowder, just liked me. And, uh, when I graduated, I was going to New York to work for BBDO advertising and I had a nice job offer and, um, you know, you're talking about the early seventies. So the country is pretty tumultuous. Yeah. Um, the, Vietnam War is still uh, is still raging on, and it was a very it was a tough time. Um, but Eddie Crowder, who was an All American for Bud Wilkinson at, at Oklahoma, and a, a wonderful man, he liked me, and um, I was getting ready to go to New York, and we went out to dinner. I, I would do anything to spend time with him, and uh, he said, "I need you to stay one year." He said, "I'm gonna I'm now the athletic director and head football coach," which was the structure of a lot of schools at the time. And he said, uh, I need some young guys to come in here. We're going to make some changes. And um, I had just met my uh, future wife. Uh, she had gone, she had gone to Boulder to get her advanced, to get her doctorate. And Boulder's not a tough place to live. And I had so many memories and friends. Beautiful and place. Thought, well, why not a year? Why not? Just give it a year. And, um, wow. well, one year became uh, six in Boulder and, then after that, had the chance to get to the uh, Big Eight and work for Chuck. So every step along the way, I have been blessed, Chris, by wonderful mentors who have said, "If I were you, I'd do it this way." And I just had to make sure that I listened um, because these are these are the best of the best. And so I had no idea in the direction I was going to go. I had no 
I had no clue or feeling to get into athletic administration. It, it did not have any appeal to me. And uh, next thing you know, uh, here you are. But, <laughs> I was uh, going to be an advertising like, agent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every every five or six years, something would come along and say, "Hey, why don't you take a look at this?" And uh, it's all been uh, it's all been a blessing. It's all been a blessing. Well, it's been an absolutely amazing career. And it's great how one has built onto the other, and now you're passing down all the knowledge that you've achieved over the years. It's been, um, it's been fun. All right, it's, it's time, time to go. Y'all ready for this? Three and out. It's time to go three and out with Steve Hatchell. Three lighter questions to close out the interview. All right, you obviously sure. get to meet and work with many athletes. Now, I know you're a professional, but is there anyone you were ever starstruck by or couldn't wait to meet? Over the, over the years, there's been, um, uh, yes, there's been uh, quite a few. Uh, I would say one, uh, uh, and I've had a chance to do some re- really special things. So coaches over the years, I had a chance to meet Bud Wilkinson. Wow. And to be close to Bob Devaney, who was the legendary coach at Nebraska. These are, there are coaches that you meet and you run into that you have a feeling that had they not gone into coaching, they could have been the head of General Motors or they could have been the head of, uh, AT&T. Leaders. They were, they, yeah. They're just special people. They're smart, intuitive, hardworking. Um, they just like to coach, They could, but they could go do other things. And I always value those types of people. And there's so many coaches that uh, you got to meet over the years that I always had great uh, conversations with that I, I really like. Barry Switzer being one that um, it just, uh, the more you're around him, you realize how intelligent this guy is and why he was so successful. But but then when it gets into athletes, um, and this is where the Olympic thing has always been uh, really good for me, uh, just because it's different than football. Those Olympic sports are, are really, really special. So um, when I got to work with the U.S. ski team at the 81 Olympics, I did get to see the United States beat Russia in the hockey game. Oh, did you read you really? Wow. <laughs> I was there and uh, it was the only day that we did not have a skiing event uh, with the U.S. ski team. And um, and uh, we got some tickets. The game was uh, late afternoon. It was not at night. Yeah, and it wasn't even and, broadcasted uh, live at the time. So you really got a front correct. row seat for that. That's correct. And I've saved the ticket. I saved the pictures that I took. And, and no, there were no expectations for that. Picture. Sure, no. We had already lost ten to one to the same hockey team at Madison Square Garden as a as a warm up for the Olympics. I've watched the movie so Miracle many a times. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was um, uh, you know. Then I had the good fortune to be able working with Mike Ruzioni, uh when I ran the Orange Bowl. I had the uh, hockey team come and be our guest and be the uh, grand marshal for our parade at the Orange Bowl when we used to do a New Year's Eve parade on NBC. Sure. Wow. So then I got to be around all of those guys and uh, hear all of those stories. But along that same line, you get to be with Muhammad Ali, you get to be with Joe DiMaggio, and mm. uh, then the then the list goes on and on about college athletes. And the one that we love to tell, and God rest his soul, he just recently passed away. But when you grew up in Denver, the Denver Broncos were trying to find their way. <laughs> they were. They were really a hapless outfit for a long time. They wore striped socks, and you know they had guys that were cast off from you know everywhere. Oh, they yeah. weren't very good. And so finally, they decide that they got to do 
something legitimate. And so they draft a guy by the name of Floyd Little out of Syracuse. Yes. Well, Floyd Little was, that was like the good Lord showing up himself. The clouds parted. And here comes this super, super football player. Well, I never had the chance to meet him until I get into this job. Wow. And this is really, this is really fun. So we had our dinner in New York. And I've got a whole bunch of buddies from high school and college and all of that. And we all just thought that Floyd Little walked on water. And earlier that day, I met Floyd, and I gave him a hug. I said, I want you to know something. You're, you know, you and I just met. But I just think you're the greatest thing that ever was. And, you know, we got laughing. And he was, he was, a, marvelous, he was a marvelous individual. Anyway, so here, here's about a dozen of my buddies. And they're all in ties. And we're in, in uh uh, tuxedos, and I said, okay, guys, I got a surprise for you, because we all had the back. Do you know who that is? And I pointed over, and it was Floyd standing with his glasses on and, and the tuxedo on, and they didn't know right away, and I said, guys, that's Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> you guess who that is. I, I need to tell you what, 12 guys rushed out there. I mean, he probably thought, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, what is going on? Am I in trouble? What, what is going on? And we're all hugging him, and we're, we're you know, it was like, Floyd, what about this? Floyd, what about that? You know, he, he, and he, of course, he's so marvelous. He went right along with it. And, uh, oh. uh, but we, you know, I've had a chance to get into all of those kinds of uh, those conversations with so many wonderful people. And uh, guys like Bill Washington, uh, who, you know, when you get done meeting people and being around people like that, you just say, uh, your paycheck here is to be around those special people. So. Unbelievable. It's been, it's been marvelous. Like you yeah, said, truly blessed. Marvelous. And number two, let's talk about your alma mater, Colorado. Which was the most controversial for the Buffaloes in 1990 for their national championship season? Was it Georgia Tech splitting the polls with Colorado, the fifth down game against Missouri, or the Orange Bowl clipping call against Notre Dame? Now, having been the executive director of the Orange Bowl at that time, I would I'll stay with that one. Now, right away, I just want to know there was more. There were more than one clip on that game. Oh, and, I'm sure. Uh, I, did, I want you to know. Now, I've had fun with that, too. So when we put Rocket Ishmael in the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, yeah. I went to Notre Dame with that. So here's all of these Notre Dame guys. Uh-oh. And we've got Rocket. And, you know, I told you, you know, I told you guys, the guys I, was a, I was at the Orange Bowl. I'm a Colorado letterman. You know, I went to the <laughs> and, and You came out and said it. Left. I came, oh, no, I, I took it right out. Colorado had a punter named Tom Ruin. Tom Ruin went on to kick in the NFL for, you know, 15 years. And Chris, he could kick it to the moon and back. He could, really? He, when you asked him to punt it, he would knock the snow out of it for days. So here you've got Tom Ruin, the great punter, punting to the best punt return guy that ever lived in Rocket Ishmael. Oh, yeah. And to this day, we don't understand that Bill McCartney, who I love, love Bill McCartney, he's a fantastic coach. Why don't you tell Tom Ruin to turn sideways and kick it up to the press box? Why do you <laughs> exactly. Why do you kick He's got the leg. Why do you kick it to this guy? I mean, <laughs> this guy, he could return it. If you could have 30 guys out there, he could return it again. Know your opponent. Know your opponent. That, and there's only a minute or 12 to go in the game. You say, why are you going to test this? So anyway, we talked about that with all the Notre Dame guys. We had more fun with that. Oh, that's great. So I don't, I don't know that one. Now, the 12th down deal was was still strange. I took a lot of abuse that we took Colorado that year. They won the Big 12, or won the Big 8. Yes. And the fifth down of Missouri was extremely controversial. And, you know, 
the thing with Georgia Tech was you were still voting on who was the national champion, and yeah. you know that's that's the way it was at that time. Sure, uh, play the by the rules that are there. 12, that's the rules that were there. Uh, we had the same thing when we put the Big Twelve together. Nebraska won the championship by beating a really good Tennessee team led by Peyton Manning. But earlier in the day, Michigan had won the Rose Bowl, so they had part of the national championship, and Nebraska had the other part. So that was just the way it was set up at that time. And um, I don't know that some of that controversy is all bad. It got, you know, look, we're still talking we're about still it. We're still talking about it, exactly. I know. We're still talking about it. It was a great moment. Oh, fantastic. And finally, I'm a foodie. You lived in Colorado for a little while and now work in Texas. What is the best meal in each? You still go back to Colorado for, was it was a big game there? and. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's a place just because I love the mountains and my uh, a lot of my background area. is in skiing and ski racing and all of that sort of stuff. And but when you're in Boulder, uh, there's a place there's a place in Boulder on the side of the hill on Flagstaff Mountain called the Flagstaff House. The guy who started it uh, has turned over all of the chef duties. They're all been to France. Uh, the food is fantastic, and the view in the Boulder is if I have to spend if I have to spend any time and it's just limited to one night. Uh, I love going to the Flagstaff house. Now there's a lot of other very good restaurants in Boulder, but going to the Flagstaff house gives me a chance to look at my home, my city at night, mm. uh, have a great meal and be with, uh, with some really fantastic friends. Nice. So that, for all of those things, it's probably the, the very best. And, and then, you know, being in Texas, um, and we've, gosh, we've been here now going on 28, 29 years. Uh, I'd be the first one to tell you that I think you can't go wrong with uh, the great state places in Texas. Oh, and, absolutely um, true. You know, even a, even a guy like, uh, well, Bob, Bob Sandal, who created Bob Steak and Chop Houses, is just a very dear friend. Del Frisco Ooh, uh, yes. started here. Uh, it, it started as Bob and Dell's Steak and Chop House, and then Del Frisco created a new restaurant a little bit further up on what they call the Tollway. Uh, Del Frisco that became a chain. Uh, Albernats. I mean, the steak places are really terrific. They they vary their menus a little bit, but they're really first class. And obviously, the barbecue is is to die for uh, in the area. But there's um, a lot of great places to go anymore, and um, I'm just hoping that this pandemic and these COVID issues get over so that they can, all these wonderful people with these marvelous restaurants get their feet back on the ground and, and get back to doing what, what they do best because it's good for all of us. Yeah, and then we can all get back together and be around the dinner table again. That's right. All right. Well, we've been speaking with Steve Hatchell, the president and CEO of the National Football Foundation. Check out the website at footballfoundation.org and on Twitter at NFF Network. Thanks a lot for joining me, Steve. Oh, thank you. And this is marvelous. Thank you. Good to talk with you. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.